Hello. Hello. Industry. 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 Hello and welcome back to Industry Tactics. I'm Friendly Rich, and on the podcast today, a very special episode, one that I've been trying to line up for a while, is a chat with James Cavaluzzo of the legendary Toronto metal band Malhavik. Whew! I was kind of nervous starting the interview out, and then James, being the sweet gentleman that he is, kind of uh, just help me uh, get a little more grounded and and comfortable and it was a joy to speak with him about multiple tales of uh in music industry adventures over the last 20 years or more um definitely or more and uh we premiere a new piece by james a new piece of music so listen for that and we get into it we talk motley crew we talk trent reznor and 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 god knows a lot more my paisan uh, James Cavaluzzo, episode 94. Enjoy. to the races here yeah go ahead oh man what an honor i'm i'm it's been a long time eh what do you mean an honor you're the one that's famous in germany not me oh shit <laughs> wow damn i'm here with james cavaluzzo and you know i honestly man i've been like pacing up and down my hallway for the past hour i'm what? I'm, I'm dare i say i'm nervous to talk to you episode what? i don't know what episode this is i've done like 93 95 of these things Wow, that's impressive. There's something about you. There's something about you. I'm like, um, you you know Matt, obviously Matt Daly. He it's his fault that I'm uh you know, drawn to your music twenty years ago and you were in London then? Yeah, like, no, Brampton, Brampton. We grew up Brampton. in Brampton and he was in Demon Barf and that whole yeah. fucking scene. Yeah, that's I guess I'm nervous because like I realize like you essentially were part of are part of the reason like I got into music and being Oh old. gee, thank you. Yeah, man. And so I'm no, I really am honored to uh to have you on and to to wax poetic. I really want to get to know more about like how you became you, you know, because you're yeah. Well that's funny because I've learned a lot in the last six months. <laughs> Is that right? Yes. Yeah. No doubt. We. I guess we all have. Eh. But I'm. I'm excited to to know. To know. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- well, I mean, where where do you want to start, man? We got about. Do you have about an hour? Is that cool? Yeah. Well, okay. I, can, I mean, uh, they just put out last year. Uh, Urban Grandeur Records started up, and they put out my demo, which is basically my musical start. Right. It's the first thing uh, that was ever publicly sold, or or I 
you play new people, right? So mm-hmm. I'm very honored that um, a record label put out that first demo of mine from 85, I think it was, 86, I'm not even sure. But uh, oh, yeah, wow. it was the beginning of it for me. And it's so funny because like everything's changed, but yet everything's still the same. I mean, I listened to, I've totally gotten, I stopped listening to metal in the 90s. I thought metal, I was basically grew up as a metal head, like totally okay. a metal head. And then the 80s, when I started uh, sneaking into uh, underage into concerts, I started seeing a hardcore shows. So I became basically all through high school, a metal head and some hardcore. And where and did then, you grow up, James? Where, where, in Scarborough. You... I grew up in Scarborough. Oh, yeah, and I, okay. Yeah, I moved to Pickering. Basically, it's funny, two, uh, two, two of my friends got knifed in a week. And my next door neighbors got robbed twice. And oh, so my God. family literally moved. In the, like that wow. was in the crack era of like okay, okay. The late 70s. And so my family moved to Pickering. And Pickering was a total eye opener because just like yeah. there was nothing there. And it was all white people. And it was like, that's what really made me want to do music. Because there was oh. I had friends in Toronto, in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to Pickering, it was grade nine, grade eight, grade nine. And I basically just huddled in my basement and was started doing things myself and i fell in uh, with some guys in high school that were into the sax scene music as me and none of them played instruments so i said to them you know i had this band and my i'd already been played on college radio doing uh-huh. it by myself like doing it with midi doing it with a drum machine and stuff so okay i i, I recruited guys to play with me and they were my best friends because to me it made sense the best friends said go out and buy a guitar go out and buy some drums and yeah. we started playing. And awesome Awesome, man. Awesome. And, and, um, oh, oh, oh. Oh. that's my music. I'm, I'm, I'm working that's so on. great. I thought I heard a click track. I would have shut yeah. up and, and, and done a take if you wanted me to. Uh, but that's awesome. So, and, and you're, and, and, you know, what warms my heart is that you, you have roots, uh, making, making music in your parents' basement. Yeah. Like, I still, like me. So funny, cause like, yeah, I'm in my bedroom right now and you can hear that <laughs> I still record yeah. myself. Yeah. Do it all myself. Yeah, yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. And um, what were you like in high school? Like, was that so? You were really latching on to music making and making friends through music w- yeah. in high school, then, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I was totally antisocial. I mean, I realize now mm-hmm. uh, with uh, everything that's going on that I am a post-traumatic stress syndrome baby, and so I was totally antisocial and, and hate. Wow. I basically hate everything except horror movies and music. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay now to, i love it i love it man I lo- and and are you would you consider like i i, I fucking it's it's cliche to say music saved my life but like oh yeah i said it in my music i think i have a sample music mm. is my life uh chop top from chainsaw 2 in my album release where i literally say it you know music is my life it's like music, yes i totally know if music it's so sad because my roommate and my best friend just died a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And was, yeah, and he can't. It's so crazy because we were, we grew up literally a block away from each other in Scarborough, mm-hmm. and we we didn't meet until we were teenagers in the goth scene. And it's funny because the goth scene is where we con people like me that are very antisocial mm. and hate the human race. That's mm-hmm. basically what you meet in the alternative scene and the goth scene, and mm-hmm. it's the same with him. That he, you know, he had no family. His mom had died. His single mom died when he was young. And he um, he basically was like me. He hated the human race. But we connected on a level, spiritual level, through music. And mm. music's the thing that really keeps 
outsiders going. You know what oh, I mean? It is yeah, lifeblood. It is the lifeblood for us because it's a way to express our feelings. You know, we get beat up in high school and we get beat up walking down the streets. We still get beat up to this day because we don't look normal. Mm-hmm. And music's the thing that, that, that really drives us because it makes us uh, feel free for once and not give a fuck what people think about us, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, part of my re- reasoning for starting this podcast way back when was to shine a light on uh, outsider artists, right? right? Like this isn't a... Yeah, yep. I, I guess you would figure that, that this isn't a, 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 a <laughs> no metal, way, a guy you know. Remember your first record, Anal Assassins, and right away you got my attention. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But yeah, man, I no, I, I am, I, I do feel that, and that, that maybe that is why there's a bond there as well, is, is that outsiders kind of do need to stick together. Like, I, I immediately understand everything you're saying, right? It's like, yeah. and yeah. in a way, like our, you, you know, um, it's like a variation on a theme in a lot of ways, right? The way, the way, yeah. I mean, so, so you, it's you so mentioned, funny yeah, I'm an old guy. And the guy I was living with, my, my roommate, yeah. he, uh, he listened to a totally different style of music. Uh, uh-huh. A lot of my best friends listen to very different music than me, but we're all outsider music. It's none of us listen to what the general public listen to. And none of us make music that the general public yep. listens. And we're very happy like that. I mean, yep. we don't feel a need to fit in. We don't feel a need to have to listen to pop music. I mean, yeah. I have, you know, it's like radio for me died when I turned like 13. You know what I mean? Oh. The mainstream died when I was very young. And yeah. that's why I love horror movies. The same thing. It's funny because both horror movies and also like on the sense of alternative goth. Yeah. Uh, also, heavy metal is making a comeback sort of sure. now. It's a black sure. metal thing. And everything. Sure. There's periods that the stuff that we're into becomes popular or more mainstream, yeah. but it's never going to be, especially now, the way the plutocracy runs things. I mean, uh, I mean, there was a time where I had a major record deal and I had a major yeah. publishing deal and everything, and now I realize I'm totally happy making music in my basement. Like even the first time uh, I went to a studio, it wasn't even a major uh, record producer, but they basically yeah. were trying to, uh, how do you say, sand me down, sand down my yeah. rough. Ass. They yeah. wanted me sound like what was popular at the time metallica and slayer uh, yeah. and they, they didn't let me uh do things that i would do in my home studio okay so, now it's so funny i'm just sort of finding myself in the last six months in oh. my home studio again and oh, realize man. yeah that's the way to do it it's like i don't give a f- yeah if you see that hey look i have a yeah. real amp and everything behind me i don't yeah. use plugins you know what yeah. i mean yeah 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 I, in one sense, I've been spending a week trying to get that thing to sound like so fucking cool, right? Yeah, but then yeah. I realized it's it's abnormality, it's it's roughness, it's 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 the fact that I'm not I don't have the best microphones and everything. Yeah, yeah. It makes it totally unique. And I'm listening to my guitars right now. I mean, you listen to my guitars and you're like, yeah. uh, it, it's like, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, why would I want to change it? Like, I hear I was thinking about, I'm still thinking about getting a Kemper just so I can record guitar at four in the morning because I'm in an apartment building and it's kind of okay. hard. I have to play my amp really fucking loud you, you, if you don't want to hear me in the room. Yeah. But I'm like, all that weird shit that, that is me comes yeah, out yeah. when I record and make music. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's so sad that I'm not saying, uh, I'm not going to paint the, the young people with one broad stroke, mm-hmm. but I mean, music today, everybody has this idea of making it like fit in or making it, uh, you know, quantize or uh, yeah. everything perfect. Yeah. And I like imperfection, you know? And oh, that's I think great. That's where music's got to go. Yeah, man, I, I really feel like you're um, 
you're on to something there like and and we are definitely living now over the last 6 7 months in an in an in a new era you almost feel like yeah. you're like i heard after the fir- after 100 years ago after the um after the that pandemic uh you know the <laughs> what was the, the 1919 or whenever donald trump says <laughs> it is i'm i'm getting confused but uh there was a bit of a renaissance after that right and who knows where the art will go but I love this DIY thing that's happening. Yeah. Like I, I loathe yeah. some of it too. Like, you know, yeah. it's too much music, but I mean, it's yeah. better than too much than not enough. Right. Yeah. No, it's, and, it's exciting. It's, 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 it's that's the other thing is I remember when I was in school, I mean, it was so yeah. fucking long ago that yeah. playing yeah. band, everyone thought you were totally fucking weird. And now right. my little nieces and nephews are like, you know, 12 and they're already in a band. It's <laughs> just, it's part of it now. Right. Band. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. now the whole and the other thing that drives me crazy is the fact that everybody used to make fun of karaoke back in the you know seventies yeah. and eighties and those crazy Asians with their karaoke. Right and now, mainstream has gone so karaoke. This whole karaoke thing is so huge on TV with all these mm-hmm. stupid singing shows. It's mm-hmm. insane mm-hmm. how everything is like. Uh, how do you say uh, uh, controlled and yep. and yep. and people don't even realize how brainwashed they are. Yep. In, in, thinking a certain way by yep. the powers that be and it's, you, you know i i mean i think that's a lot of what drew me to the whole vibe of what you are you are doing your art right it's like it has such a, i mean i was being you know matt is a dear friend of mine and just his introduction to it it just all seemed like the dark side right it's like yeah holy fuck this is so like aggressive and uh and and the sound is the sound to this day like i listened to your music just today in preparation for this and i'm like it it resonates it resonates there's something there yeah it's like the whole black metal thing is very similar to i mean my first demos and that was very much black metal before black metal it's funny because in the last uh, 10-15 years i've been listening to a lot more metal again because i really like the black metal scene but at the same time i mean i i heard a few records today i've been listening to people's best of the year list you know you're online you look at new music and I heard a few bands today that I really like, but at the same time, they just sound like bands and music you've already heard. And you can see yeah. their fall formula. Like black metal is now a formula. Right. You know, what made black metal in the early days so great is you never heard anything like it. R- right, right. So right. Like, I, especially I, I, I've listened to, um, I can't even pronounce their name, Anuka, but the new industrial metal bands. Okay, you know, okay. I like them. I do listen to them, right? Yeah. The post Godflesh type stuff. But yeah. they're all trying to sound a certain way. And I'm totally like, why doesn't anybody like, you know, there's more to it than just trying to like, Complete yeah. destroy the listener. There's a way of 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 uh, over the top a noise that you don't need also to have it five million miles an hour, or you don't yeah, need yeah. It always to have everything so yeah. uh, extreme. Yeah, like there's 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 you need a little bit up, it, and it just freaks me out. That there, I used to think that back then when I started the band Mel Havoc, I wanted yeah. to make uh, so many bands like Black Sabbath and Motley Crue were around, and they were talking about like horror movies. Yeah. And I thought they were doing it so cheesy, right? Okay, so my okay. whole idea when I started my band was trying to put the atmospherics in the music, not just in the stupid lyrics, right? Okay. And, so, and I think that music needed something back then, and I still see it today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, music has gone so much further in the last 30, 40 years, but yet mm-hmm. I still listen to what bands are doing in my vein or what I've been doing, yeah. and I still see a huge hole. And I'm like, why are all these bands just trying to sound like the other bands instead of, you know, yeah. finding your own self-expression i mean that's truly where the art lies i think i really think that's what confused me like the first time i heard your music i'm like 
holy fuck because i you know i was obviously getting it like into heavier stuff and when i heard just even your you know what i thought would have been hilarious if we did this whole interview with your um vocal uh yeah, yeah, yeah. son i'm like <laughs> here it is an interview with james yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we're seeing behind the curtain we're hearing behind yeah. the curtain here i'm well, like that's the thing is i stayed away from my studio for literally the last 20 years i gotta admit i got into uh yeah keeping myself self-medicating myself okay, i was okay. totally self-medicated okay and I, happy, and I don't i don't need if i was happy i didn't yeah. need to make music you know what yeah. i mean because yeah. music people don't realize i never made a penny off my music music cost me my arm and my leg interesting and i lost relationships because of it because yeah. i was yeah. I, you know, I quit a job to go work in la and vancouver i used to quit jobs to get i had these you know great remixing stuff i was doing in the yeah. 90s yeah and all that took me into places that i loved and enjoyed but it cost me uh my personal life and so right. for a while the last 20 years you know i just didn't want music anymore because the music sucked my my bank account like totally completely dry like a touring and all that yeah uh, yeah yeah you know and yeah hey people it's so funny people would come into my work and they'd recognize me and they'd be like man i thought you'd be like you know styling and that you know i never knew you had a job like even though i work at motley crew here's a funny story i work with motley crew for a month is that I, right I, yeah i went and i remixed uh shout the devil for them in like 99 <laughs> yeah anyways they uh I did. A, I was working in the record store. I actually took time off from the record store to go to LA and live with them for a month, and then I came back working in the record store. And literally, Jesus. when the album the, the album I worked on got released, they came to my record store to do an autograph session. And the funny thing is, everybody in the store thought like, you know, I was completely making this shit up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so of course, the crew had to, the crew had to literally walk through my area of the store to get to uh, the back room where uh -huh. they were set. In. so literally some of my bosses were standing there like they wanted to see my crew walk by me and they're going to make fun of me when uh yeah, yeah. anyways yeah for sure tommy lee walked out and said, hey what the fuck are you doing here and he's like you yeah, work yeah. at a record store <laughs> amazing like, yeah. amazing yeah, amazing i remember yeah. running into you it was it was i don't know when the hell early early thousands anyway and i was like holy shit we I, we hadn't seen each other in some time it was at metalworks and yeah. oh, i was yeah. washing toilets for ann murray no and way! You were you, you were working at Metalworks. Yeah, I did a couple of years there, just like bullshit. I was like a runner yeah. on sessions, you know, like so, like yeah. you know, Busta Rhymes. I was at the top of the mountain then. I was working with all these big bands. Yeah, I remember you were like, yeah, man, you were you you were like, they want me to go work with Trent Reznor, but I don't I don't think I'm going to, and I'm just like, you remain fucking <laughs> badass. I, I remember you saying something about like just like yeah fuck it they just something about constructionists and you're just like or, or i don't know where what you were what you were saying exactly but what was just, talking about what happened was i quit my job <laughs> constructivism or something i would quit my job at hv after i worked at motley crew okay i was supposed to assistant produce the new prick album at nine inch nail studio Okay. Okay. So I gave my month's notice to HMV that I was going to live in New Orleans now in, in Trent Reznor's studio. And Sick. what happened was uh, Trent Reznor, after I gave him my notice to quit work, Trent Reznor's new album came out and it bombed. <laughs> and okay. It bombed. So he lost uh, the, the record deal that he had. So wow. Rick weren't going to make a record. And so I had quit my job to do this record that now wasn't going to happen. Okay. So I quit for nothing and so uh oh. trying to sort of make it up to me and my partner was ogilvy was the guy i was working for yeah. basically I was 
the programmer for Ogilvy and Ogilvy yes. was the guy texting. And okay. so Ogilvy, to make up for it, got me to do other work. Um, I did like the Tool remix and I did, nine, I did a Nine Inch Nails song. I did... Um, wow, three. man. So I did all this big stuff, but at the same time, wow. my, my partner was very pissed at me because I just quit another job and had... I mean, I did this, these these jobs I did for uh, uh, Tool and Nine Inch Nails and all that didn't pay that well. And yeah. so I, I had to go again and go try to find another job. And basically, I got robbed. I came home with a – I bought a Pro Tool system so I could do what I was doing in Vancouver in Toronto, uh -huh. working with bands, remixing bands, uh, uh, Pro Tooling, editing bands. And literally, the first session I worked on was Danko Jones. Oh, and yeah. We literally, it was Rob Sanzo's studio. We literally got robbed, or I got robbed in the middle of the night and lost everything. Oh my and God, James. Yeah, and literally the next day, my partner said, it's done, we're over. And that Ugh. just sent me into a tailspin. And literally, I've never recovered from that until, I mean, what I'm doing right now, I got like a few records on the go right now. I'm doing a remix for, um, I don't know if you know, um, Leather Strip from yeah, yeah they're oh, where's he from not amsterdam but uh, i know he's big in germany okay he, he got a new record clute and i'm this is you're the first one to hear this you're not supposed wow. to tell anyone great but i'm hoping to finish it and it'll be out uh in the next i'm hopefully gonna hand it into him in the next week i should have did cool. it six months ago cool but man again, i feel bad that uh but you know it took it's almost like it took my roommate to die my best friend to die to make me realize that maybe i should get off my fucking keister and do something you know? oh Fuck, that's so heavy. Man, you <laughs> are like, really. It happens to all of us. Come on. Sure. No, of course. Of course. Of course. And Everybody yeah. Everybody has Thank you. And I didn't give a fuck about whether my, my legacy would stay the same or if I would yeah. add more to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't really give a fuck whether people realized I work with Nine Inch Nails and Tool and Motley yeah. Crew and all this. I really <laughs> didn't give a fuck about anything. And that's the whole reason why my career literally bottomed out because I didn't give a fuck about my, my record contracts or the deals yeah. I signed. I didn't expect anyone to want to hear the shit I was doing, right? So I'm yeah. amazed to this day that I'm doing an interview with you about my music, you know? Yeah, man. No, I, and it seems like there's a, well, I, I'm excited to see where you're going with it in 2021 as well. Like I know you have a new project that you're yeah. working on, like a new Malhavik project as yeah. well, right? So yeah. we'll I tell you right now, it's going to yeah. be uh, my, the person that signed me. Okay. I should be wearing the t-shirt. I'm not wearing the t-shirt, but yeah. Blessings wants me to do it. Uh, I'm going to do it. It's already started a three song EP. I'm almost done it. Okay. And going to be uh more it's old school it's going to be sounding like the age of dark renaissance stuff it's actually a song what the last song we ever uh recorded with the original thrash band oh wow the masquerade death and because of the what's yes. going on in the world today we're calling the record the the record's going to be it's an ep and it's going to be called the masquerade's death and it's going to be coming out on cursed blessing in the new year probably early in the new year okay. and it's going to be me going back to my roots totally wow. going back my roots like i can tell you right now it sounds like old mel havoc wow man wow well that's so but exciting I have, the other, I have other record uh it's called terror explosions i've been working on i have another record called anthems to the new flesh that i spent since 1999 there was one song that was released off it the human fly okay and in 1999 i wanted to do a full record of nothing but uh covers song covers like me covering all 70s and 80s like yeah. all from the prime time cronenberg era yeah. of yeah. 70s and 80s songs yeah. and all songs that are related directly related to his concepts and themes from his movies holy so, shit yeah so i did human fly obviously by the cramps yeah. and what we had a record producer and he gave me uh five grand to make uh the album and what happened is we spent all the five grand on human fly for having problems in the studio mixing it oh yeah <laughs> 
so he just put out the single and he didn't he sat on it and he didn't like try to sell it or he didn't promote it or anything mm -hmm. so i got like a thousand of these cds in my in my cupboard that never sold from human fly but that was a full album i have like another 15 songs on my computer that weren't mixed i could call one up for you right now oh wow i'm, I'm probably going to release it next week uh as a cover of the ramones pinhead oh sick <laughs> Yeah, then I did Joan Jett's Bad Reputation. I did The Cure. I did Depeche Mode. I did Johnny Cash. I did Alien Sex Fiend, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And all this stuff is sitting on my computer unfinished, and now I've got the urge to finish it. So I might well, be going through each song and releasing them one at a time online. Neat, man. Let, can, can we play one of them on the podcast, which will come out in November? Yeah, I can send you all, all the Human Fly stuff. It's available online. What oh, that's brilliant. Fly got released on, uh, we recorded it in 99, believe it or not. It did get Holy released shit. like 2005 or something. Even later than that, 2010 maybe. Maybe 2010 it got released. And what happened was just all the record company bullshit. We had all these record companies and, and, and publishing companies that all went mm -hmm. bankrupt and all dropped us. So we were all, in, we were musically, I was contracted, but no man's land. Mm -hmm. And so it literally, you know, this stuff just sat on my computer and still sitting on my computer. Wow. I'm hoping uh, I'm going to start releasing the songs, trying to focus on, first thing I try to do is finish the remix for uh, uh, um, Leather Strip, Cloud. Okay. And then I'm going to do, uh, probably release the Pinhead song. Then I'm probably going to do uh, finish the EP, which will probably come out in the new year the, for Chris Blessings. And wow. then I'm going to do a whole new album. I just want to work on new material. But at the same time I work on new material, I'm still going to be finishing some of the old records that are sitting on my computer that are unfinished. Well, let, to let's, um, there's a Melhavik SoundCloud where a lot of the unfinished demos are on there. Like oh, there wicked. Of Pinhead. There is a demo of, uh, of the Joan Jett song. There's a demo of Clones, Alice Cooper. And I want to finish all the uh, songs and put them wow. out. Wow, uh, I'm I'm loving this. Let's um let's uh I'll I'll, I'll splice it in later, but let's play uh something. W what do you want to do from that? The the human fly. Pin Can we play? Hopefully, Pinhead. You, Pinhead. You, you, could world, you could be the world premiere of it. If I finish it in the next two days, I'm thinking it's sounding pretty good. I can fucking give you a, a man. Here it comes yeah. now, Pinhead. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> yeah. Not a problem. It's, Heard first on industry tactics. This is a premiere. Pinhead.
Wow, man, we're going all over the place. I'm loving this. Are you okay? You're good? Yeah. Why all right. do I have a problem with this? I well, mean, what, I want to talk a little bit about um, John Cars and your work yeah. with him. I don't, I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with him and working with him over the years? Yeah, he's my bestest, bestest buddy. I mean, uh, he's my drummer. He's the only guy that's been in it all the way through with me. And the funny thing is, He's taking care of his old parent, his parents right now, yeah, and I've been yeah. bugging him to come and lay down drums on okay. the uh, Asquerade Death. Yeah, it's so funny because I've been telling him to keep practicing, but he doesn't want. It. He's a little worried with the whole pandemic thing. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. I want his drumming on it. But it is his drumming right now. I programmed uh, Sing okay. Top drums, and it's so funny because he was all like, when he heard when, I, when he heard that I was we were gonna remake that song he mm -hmm. almost like shit himself because he's like you know i don't know if i can still play that stuff he's awesome. like that's totally our most one of our most complicated you know uh songs for him okay. to drum so how, yeah. how far back do you go with 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 john oh he was the first one i connected and started the band with me in so high uh, school pickering no. yeah so oh I shit was 15, 15 yeah awesome yeah. that's so great james yeah i mean like, that was the whole thing is connecting with like hooking up starting a band with your friends right isn't that what you're supposed to do amen kicker too i can tell you a story i don't know how he wants me to tell this our we had, it was three of us okay yeah. there's me john and nigel and nigel literally we did three demos together and nigel left the band under weird auspicious he told us for the first time in 30 uh -huh. years he told us why he quit last week and it's oh, a very God. it's a very strange occult thing and i don't know if i should tell you because i can't believe he kept it in himself for 30 yeah. years and didn't yeah. tell us why he quit the band but basically it was we were three best buddies and i got a feeling that you're going to hear nigel the original guitarist from the 80s playing oh. on some of the new material oh that's so great yeah we're getting How back charming. To, so he <laughs> went to back the same high school yeah we all met from going to the same high school we all were listening cool. to the same you know we we're listening yeah. to Mom through before metallica and then with the thrashing you know we were bestest friends listening yeah, to song instruction and all that it's so funny how that sort of the best okay the black metal thing i really love death heaven and stuff like that but the yeah. black metal right now that's like they call it black and thrash yeah. like a sort of throwback to that destruction and all that yeah i love that stuff there's so many new records i heard this year that are that sound and it's like yeah. you think about me john and nigel were doing that in like 85 you know yeah, it's man. so crazy yeah. that it's back around again yeah so it's funny I'm recruiting. Even um, the old guitar player, Scott Hill, who toured with us, Skid, who's toured with Mel Havoc, yeah. he played also on the release. He's probably going to come by and lay down some guitar tracks too. So you Amazing. probably hear like all the best members from like it's, the last few years on the new stuff. Wow. Wow. There, that's, that's such a, it, there's, it's very charming that that's happening, right? Like there's this kind of like 
Like I de- definitely get the vibe from you that there's this like I you know what you said earlier I gotta get up off my keister and and there's like yeah, you, and, I've got I'm feeling momentum over the yes, Zoom call here. That's you know? the thing is that's what yeah. always gave me the the like I've been in the studio. I mean I I didn't have to go into work today, but I've been yeah. in the studio since I woke up this morning. Uh-huh. And you get sort of burned out when you're sitting in front of a computer by yourself editing guitars or creating sure. drums. Sure. And then you get a friend, especially a friend you've known for thirty years, just to come in the room and sit behind you over there in the corner yep. and listen to and talk. I mean, I, I, I that's one of the great things I loved about working in studios my whole life. Mm-hmm. Is you can still hang out with your friends and make yeah. music. You know what yeah, I mean? Man. It's very easy yeah. to be creative. Well, you know, you don't have to uh, be that focused in the sense that we can have a party going on. Ask Jimmy sure. Hendrix. Sure. You can have a party going on the sure. studio making music. And I love that part about it because I'm totally antisocial. And it's the one thing, like you said earlier, that really brings us together is like yeah. music. You know what I mean? And when I told these guys, listen to this one. You know who's going to play bass on Master Red Death? The original right. bass player, Connell, who moved, he was the one that played live with us once we started uh, performing the old thrash. Yeah. Yeah. He moved to like Thailand or Indonesia somewhere years ago. But he's actually, I'm going to send him the files and he's going to add the bass in his, wherever he's living now. And he's That's great. So it's gonna be the it's gonna be um, the masquerade desk gonna be a reunion of the eighties band. Shit, and there's this there's this sense now like they're talking about like eras that we're living in where it's like yeah due to quarantine you can send the track yeah. he can he can do bass on it living in Thailand or wherever he is and throw it back yeah. to you. There's a yeah. I mean this is exciting. That's exciting, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. I I rather him be in my room. It's funny because he came and visited a couple of years ago. We were oh like, yeah. Why show we should have played and we've been doing more and more because of the we put out the early demo we've been doing yeah. more shows that aren't without the release or punishment stuff we've just been playing the old thrash metal stuff oh wow it's like you know because thrash metal's hit black and thrash yeah. is back in yeah. so they want yeah. to play that our music that we did back then yeah awesome. and so yeah it's just it's 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 made us uh come together and and it, it it's great i mean yeah. i feel old but it's still fun Oh man, well, you know, I'm I'm so impressed by just where you're at right now, and um, and and excited. Like, I want to hear. Like, I I heard, I hadn't spent a lot of time with um, the Lazarus Complex. Did that come out after? Is that one that, of the? That was right during all that infighting with all the record labels. Uh, okay. What, there was a few. You want know, to hear what happened? How I ruined my career? Why not? Um, we didn't get down. Uh, yeah. with our first major label. We were signed to a major publisher and we had a major record deal. And then we had we never had a manager. We were completely, I was just doing it all myself, losing wow, money wow. myself. And we, basically before the record got released, a manager approached us who had, mm-hmm. who had gotten three other bands in Toronto, million dollar record deals. And so he approached us and said, I guarantee you, I will get you a million dollar record deal. We're like, well, we don't care so much about music, but we care about where we're signed. So we told him we either wanted to be signed to Elektra or Geffen. Like, in other words, we want to be label mates with Metallica or label mates with Slayer. And he said, that's a problem. So before the record came out, they said, I had just given, gotten a golden handshake for my work, which is perfect timing. So I had $7,000 in the bank. Yeah. And so we, they sent us on a tour. We performed for these guys from Geffen and Electra in Toronto. Uh-huh. And then at a f- uh, festivals or whatever, they came out, flew out to see us. And then they wanted to see us again. And so we were, there was that big music festival, uh, how was it called? Uh, Northwest by Northwest out in Vancouver. Sure. Yeah. And so we played that festival. We had to drive out there to play for them. And mm-hmm. they were both Electra and Geffen were to come and see us. This is a true story, believe wow. it or not. Wow. And so uh, we drove all the way out there to perform for them. We're thinking, uh-huh. okay, 
bet we're going to get signed, right? Mm-hmm. And during the show, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a, a, a music festival, so they had twelve bands on the bill, and so uh, the place was completely like rammed, shocked. I forget the venue was in Vancouver, mm-hmm. but anyways, when we performed, there was these two drunkards at the front of the stage that must have been there for their for some other band or their friends' band or something, and they're yeah. being really annoying the whole show. Like it was yeah. such, it was so slam packed, and these two guys at the front were throwing bottles at my head and stuff like oh, this. Shit. Yeah. And we didn't care because, like, yeah. you've, we toured the states with Thrat, like, when, in right. the late eighties and early nineties, yeah. and with a drum machine You're playing ready. metal bars. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. We we had no problem getting in skirmishes with audience members, so it wasn't. It, it, it didn't scare us. Whatever, sure. so guys. I was I was waving my dick in their face and stuff. And the funny thing is, I came back to Toronto after the tour. They had uh. pictures. I magazine of me waving my dick in these guys' faces. But anyways, the show just kept going. And they, uh, some girl went up to them and said, guys, if you don't like this band, like, you know, there's a, why don't you walk to the back of the room? I, you know, she's telling them basically, like, you know, if you don't like the band, stop being idiots, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of them turned around and shoved her. And then oh. both me and John, my, you know, my, you're just talking about John, my John, yeah. we jumped into the audience and started to be a total riot broke out. So we started oh, beating up these guys. Yes. And so that was, uh, uh, and, and our, our show and, and tell me they sign you right after that and say no, you got it no, you, they were literally carrying me security were trying to throw me out they're saying that I instigated I started to fight I'm, I'm going to get sued and the bar is going to sue me and everything really and they're yelling with these guys that are like you know six foot security guards going fuck you and fuck you and literally my manager goes oh and this is so and so from Geffen and this is so and so from Electra and I'm just like did you see that fucking shit fucking guy trying to pick fucking fight with me fucking fucking and I was just like you know I was totally adrenaline going yeah. through my mind because I didn't give a fuck about Electra at that point. I just couldn't believe that that, that the bar was threatening to sue me when they let yeah. these guys throw bottles at my head throughout the show. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was the end of my career. We drove That's home. That's so puzzling. That's yeah. so puzzling. I mean, an oh, alternate yeah. an alternate universe would see that being like a <laughs> moment, a moment of like you know. G.G. Allen throwing a turd or something. It's like, yeah, that was the moment that they went up to another level of, you know, like... Well, I already had that moment, though, in New York City. <laughs> I'm not sure if the New York City moment was before. We played CMJ for the first time, uh-huh. and a very similar incident happened. But again, everybody hated me. What happened in, in New York City was we played CMJ. They were bugging us forever to play, but we just didn't have the money because we never had yeah. a manager, and I was just doing it in my basement for fun. Yeah. Anyway, we finally went. One year, Voivod could play... And they put us on the bill to fill in for Voivod. We we're playing Whoa. with Cathedral and Carcass. Whoa. And it actually, that, that handbill actually made it into this, uh, a very famous death metal book. And cool. people think that we played uh, 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 the Twilight or whatever that famous club. You know where all the drugs were in okay. New York City that was a church? I forgot what the yeah. name of that club was. But okay. that's the big venue. They always had the biggest CMJ concert. And okay, yeah, yeah. So Voivod, it was, uh, I think it was Michelle who's sick and he got better. So then we, they, we took us off the bill and, and Voivod were back oh, on the bill. We didn't industry play. tactics. Yeah, but oh. it was their bill to begin with. So, and I yeah, yeah. Voivod, so I would never get mad at them. Of course. But, then, but the next year we finally went down and played and we played this bar and it was mm-hmm. fucking unbelievable. Uh, it was, um, they were, we playing with Bile and I forget who else. There were all the bands I liked, right? Yeah, but they wouldn't yeah. let us get a sound check. And like, we have drum machines and shit. Yeah, right, we need right. a sound check more than anyone. And okay. they said, you know, sorry, we can't fit you in. And yep. it wasn't like the Vancouver show where they had 12 bands. They only had four yeah. bands. Yeah. But they didn't give us a sound check. And so we're smart. We drove to New York carrying our own PA because after touring the States and, and, and Western Canada, we'd always huh. carry 
mics and PAs because okay. a lot of clubs would, would get mad at us for breaking their mics and PA. So we right. carried our own fucking gear. So anyways, we went on literally an hour late as the, like, you know, CMJ, they have the hour you're supposed to go on. And we were supposed okay. to go on at like nine o'clock. Right. Yeah, and yeah. literally this club at nine o'clock, you couldn't move. It was so round because people yeah. is the first real, I think that's the first time we played uh, New York, but it might've been the first time in America. Right. Uh -huh. So the club was just ram with people. And I'm like, Holy fuck. There's like a local New York band playing in our time slot. And you know, the place is ram because people are dying to see us. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, whatever, you know, they put us on late. They didn't give us a sound check. Get yeah. ready guys. And so when uh -huh. uh, an hour later we get ready to go on, we just uh -huh. went on and we set up our PA and we just fucking we just fucking thro were throttling the crowd. It was a small club like the size of Rivoli, yeah. And we we're just killing it, right? Yeah. And the next thing you know, they turned off the fucking PA because they're like, "Okay, you guys are supposed to be done at like 10. And it was like we literally went on at quarter to ten because Shit. the band they were suddenly running so late, right? Yeah. And it was a whole thing about these. It was the, the sound guy was from New York and the band were from New York, and and the band listen to this the band is going on, on after us bile. They yeah. didn't even make the show. They didn't even so, show up. So you could have played. Like the, they just didn't like the fact that we were like totally yeah. like destroying it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we yeah, went on yeah. late and we were giving yeah. attitude. And so they literally tried to pull the plug on us. And because we had our own PA, <laughs> I refused to stop talking. And I was just like, you fucking assholes. Do you believe they're kicking us off stage? We haven't even fucking played half our fucking set. We came all the way to fucking New York yeah. from Canada. And yeah. I was just going off. And the, the bouncers were trying to grab me. And they oh, couldn't God. grab me because the place was so fucking crowded. And we had yeah. our own PA, so they couldn't shut me up. Right. So literally, this went on for 20 minutes. I was crawling through the, the crowd. It's through people's legs crawling on the floor. So they couldn't catch me. And they literally were grabbing the mic. The, the microphone cord and trying to pull me and it was like a tug of war for like five minutes the whole time i'm like dissing the club and everything I'm like you fucking assholes you fucking scum and blah 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 yeah. so anyway they finally grabbed me two security guards and they yep. put me in hammer lock and they took the microphone out of my hand they finally oh stopped my god talking. and they literally carried me in a hammer lock and threw me out the front door onto the street of new york and literally as i'm getting tossed onto the street <laughs> of new york uh -huh. who do you think's walking on like literally walking up the street my new york lawyer <laughs> wicked wicked like, what the fuck happened and i'm like dude you don't even know you know so he told me to go mellow up the, the, the van we're parked in front of the club and yeah. literally the owner of the club came out and apologized to me for what oh. happened so I'm like, oh. why don't you have to kick us off stage we went on late blah, 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 blah. he says you know what he's like he's the guy that ran the main club in where the church is where they had the big show yeah. so he said you know what to make it up to you we'll put you on the big big concert on sunday we were playing there on friday so he said okay. we'll put on the big concert at the big venue on yeah. sunday to apologize okay. for what happened tonight and i said well thank you very much for your apology sir but go fuck yourself <laughs> right on wow that's amazing <laughs> so again my, my my lawyer and my yeah. publishers were there that's right it's before we had a record deal so that yeah. was probably we played America Holy and, my shit. Lawyer and my publishing company were standing outside the van. They were so happy that they had worked out a deal for us yeah. to play. And yeah. I said to them, how dare you expect me to stay two more, you know how expensive it yeah. is in New York. Yeah. I already spent yeah. like $2,000 driving yeah. here. My yeah. van. And you expect yeah. me to rent a hotel for two more fucking days so we can play at like yeah. probably, you know, before, you know, it, anyways, it sounds all too familiar, right? Like, and, yeah, and how and much of that yeah, shit do you, do you But all these people that were supposed to be there for me all hated yeah. me. I made sense and in common sense in the entertainment industry is not welcome. Yeah. You know I mean, entertainment industry, you got to be willing to sell your, your little sister to a bunch <laughs> of fucking pedophiles to yeah. get anywhere. And yeah. I just won't do that. I just yeah. won't do that. This won't sell my fucking soul. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it I, I appreciate my career, that. But now, yeah. But now I don't think the so be it. I thought that the internet had changed everything, but yep. it's still, 
completely own. I mean, we got fucked by iTunes. People were selling my music illegally on iTunes for years, and iTunes wouldn't fucking take it down. We finally got Melhavik.com. Yeah. It took us years because a kid who uh, liked my band registered Melhavik.com. Oh, shit. He started up a D&D uh, like add-on uh, that game. tracks that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. he's selling him he had melhavik.com for years and literally took me 10 years before his company went under before i so we totally thought that now we have melhavik.com and it's all all the music all. most of the music uh, most of the releases are up on Bandcamp. so check that yeah. out too if you're listening yeah. it's funny uh, we first set up our thing i wanted i told my my bassist steve i told him to set it up on Bandcamp, and he went cool. for uh, the company this is when Bandcamp was first starting about 10 yeah. years ago yeah. but now we have a distro kid di- di- distribution deal which okay. puts on itunes yeah and puts great on Bandcamp and everything great great, great. Yeah. and but what's it, your com is the best way to get this malhavoc.com gets you all of it um what i mean that wow the, those are great tales eh i'm sure like i want to write a book that's one of the things i wanted fuck to do. you, you totally know you need to i mean i, I want to get into the Let's talk about Dead and uh, the Stone Zeppelin oh, the stone, sample. Yeah. And That's what one of the songs I have been working on the last month. Don't tell is, the Stones. <laughs> is that right? Uh, I don't want to talk about it, but okay. expect a surprise. Uh, expect another okay. cover song, shall we say, from Al Havoc. Now, now, when, you're, when yeah. you're doing these things, I mean, just walk me through your workflow a little bit. Like when, when yep. that was going on, were you... Because it starts out with this, you know, it's 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 like a blast beat. It's everything's going. Yeah, grind. Yeah, you know. and then, first grind song. Yeah, yeah, and then and then and then and then do I, you think I, to yourself, I've got an idea here. I've got a concept. Zeppelin yeah, and the Stones. Me. I fucking hated growing up. I was like just a little bit behind the Stones and Zeppelin. Everybody, every, okay. all the rocker kids that I went to school with loved the Doors, the Stones, and Zeppelin. Okay. And I literally wrote that song because I wanted to say fuck the past fuck the doors fuck zeppelin fuck beautiful
as soon as I heard Nate, it's funny, as soon as I heard Napalm Death, I'm wearing yeah. a shirt. Yeah. As soon as I heard Napalm Death, I said, that's, you know, I loved industrial, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but I think Grind took it even further, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so as soon as I heard uh, industrial, I said, okay, that's going to be the backbeat for my song about cool. how I hate rock and roll. Cool. But I don't hate rock and roll. I don't hate the Stones. I just hate the idea that it's something that is so, yeah. yeah. Like, instead of people just trying to re relive the past. And it's so funny because, like, when I did this uh, record, I was telling you about the Cronenberg Anthems to New Flesh. It's, it's all covers. But when yeah. you hear the, my versions of these songs, like you're going to hear Pinhead, yeah. it doesn't sound like the original. Sure, like, I hope I love not. Yeah. The, Ramones, the Ramones and Motorhead and Suicide and Throbbing yeah. Gristle, yeah. they're an yeah. idea, a concept. They're yeah. not like, you don't take their sounds and copy them. You take their, their what they have that's beyond the music. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you yeah. do something with that. And I, knew I, like, I like your aesthetic, man. Yeah, yeah. I knew in '99 that that um, music was all going to become like I thought it was getting boring. That's why one of the reasons I started Mel Havoc because music, yeah. you know, I wanted to do something more original. Yeah. And then I, by 1999, two thousand, the year 2000, music was just going to become like fucking. Um, how do you say uh, like soda crackers, like just completely plain and boring, but it gets the job done, right? Yeah. And and, and I wanted to make a record that was that was all covers to say. You know, this is the future of music. It's going to be karaoke for the future, folks, because Fuck. people aren't being people. It's the system is making people so fucking boring. It's incredible. You know oh, what I mean? The I love whole it. Yep. Breath thing is just out of control. And, and I wanted to make a record to say, you know what? I can do something that looks back. You know yep. what I mean? The same way yep. that I hated Led Zeppelin and got sued by Led Zeppelin for talking about how much I hate, or sorry, sued by the Rolling Stones for how much I hated them. I yep. also wanted to celebrate the, I mean, I am going to do, I shouldn't be saying this, but I might yeah. do a own song to show you that I still respect them as artists. That's cool. Did, that's cool, know? man. That's cool. And, 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 and that's the whole thing with, with Dead is I wanted to say uh, just something about uh, looking to the past instead of looking to the future, you know? And that's why I did that song. And it's funny that that's how the song I, I like, got sued for. No, I like it. Okay, so you did get sued, eh? Like it was yeah, a thing. I had to destroy all the Canadian... The funniest thing is I didn't even realize, okay, because I didn't sign... People were signing record deals for me when I was on Epidemic, the small mm -hmm. Scarborough label. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize they were putting up my records on major label in the States and on major labels in England and on major labels in Japan, right? Wow. And the they put out outside of Canada, they took that song off because they were afraid of getting sued. Oh, and I didn't shit. even know that. So if you have a copy of Premeditated Murder, yeah, so like Canada, you don't have the whole record. They took off three songs off that record. Okay. Oh, oh. So those three songs were only on the Canadian version. So I only got sued for the Canadian version. Uh, okay. the only, only the Canadian version. So I had to pay them, or not me, the record label had yeah. to pay $3,000. And we okay. had to say that we destroyed all copies of the record. That's great. Would you have done it any different? Nope. <laughs> great, great. I mean, let me ask you that again now. Go back to Vancouver with those those pukes from Geffen and Electra, yeah. would, would or New York to would you have done any of that any different? No, I think about it all the time. Cause, hey, people like my when I came back after that incident in Vancouver, and my mm -hmm. basically my manager looked me in the eye and said, "You're done." I was happy because you know what? I was mm. protecting that woman that got pushed by these fucking drunkards. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's more important. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Watching a woman beating up, getting beat up, and not doing anything. Isn't yeah. as uh, me becoming a rock star or a rich doesn't mean shit. I'd rather protect that woman that, especially because she's at my show, she's there to see my band. I'd rather right. protect that woman than become famous, you know? Mm, mm. And that's wow. the thing. I had two incidents with cars recently. I've been vehicular assault, oh, vehicular yeah. 
assaulted because I ride yeah. my bike everywhere in the city. Yeah. And that's yeah. what really made me open my eyes is having these near death experiences. Mm. And, and it's really, uh, and I think I tell the cops and I tell the judges and lawyers when yeah. I was being tried because I confronted people who were breaking the law and the people yeah. tried to kill me with their car. And they, the judges want me to apologize. And I say, I'm sorry. I said, if you don't want me to talk to people on the street and tell them like sometimes they're making a mistake or mm -hmm. tell them uh, uh, that people are watching, people can see you breaking the law. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I have morals. And I think the problem with the world is nobody, everybody sort of expects everyone, somebody else to do, take care of the problems. Mm -hmm. it's, like, mm -hmm. it's like you're in charge of your own community, your own neighborhood. What's that thing? It takes a town to raise a child or whatever. Sure, sure. And that, everybody should do their part morally. Yeah. I mean, the world is going to hell because everybody's like scared or, yeah. or yeah. feels yeah. threatened. They don't want to get involved. And it's like, yeah, man. If you, fucking walking down the street and something happens in front of you you got to do something you can't turn your back and pretend like you didn't fucking see it you yeah. got to do something i mean yeah. i almost died doing something but i'd rather have done something than pretended like it didn't happen right on i feel like you know i was thinking about are you are you italian yeah yeah well where, uh, my parents were italian I'm where, Canadian. <laughs> where are you from oh sorry yeah you got italian roots okay here's another great where are you story from in italy are you sitting down? My whole life, my parents are from uh, uh, Montleone. And I, I, as a little kid, I always, I loved Italian horror movies like right from the yeah. beginning of Night of the Living Dead. I was, yeah. one of my birth movies, I tried to recreate a new horoscope that you, you base your idea of your personality on your favorite movies from the year you were born. Oh, cool. So my, my birth movie or my horoscope from, the, I call it yeah. the uh, Church Neat. of Cinema. My church of cinema horoscope is I am a Night of the Living Dead baby. Wicked. I fell in love with Night of the Living Dead was, was very early on. And then Argento, Lucio Fulci. It's Italy. I'm very proud yeah. to be because there's so many great horror movies. So yeah, I always yeah. try to find Monsleone on a map. And I could yeah. never find it. I went to school and I'd tell my teacher, yeah. you know, I was a little kid, I'm from Monsleone. My parents from Monsleone. Where's Monsleone on a map? Yeah. And I could yeah. never, ever, ever find it. Uh -huh. Anyway, Jerry Argento, as you can see, the Suspiria thing in Here the back. Here we go. Yeah, I do. I got, I got tickets to the world premiere to the sequel to Suspiria, this little movie called, um, what was it called? Uh, Mother of Tears. Okay. Did you see Mother of Tears? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, uh, you're not a horror movie guy? Well, uh, enough, but not, not <laughs> like you. Not like you. I'm not going to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I did this. Uh, I forget what Mother of Tears is, but I was yeah. totally uh, into psychedelics. And I uh -huh. was like, only, I went to the movie by myself. Uh -huh. I, I sat right up in the front, and I was, I was uh, taking psychedelics during uh -huh. the movie. Uh-huh. And literally, the movie's about the end of the world, and that's my favorite theme. Okay. I love more than, I want the human race to be wiped out more than anything, right? So you're in a good state right now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally so happy right now. Can't you tell? I've never I'm seen totally you more joyous. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's true. And I hate to yeah. say that. I'm sort of yeah. happy because people thought I was crazy in 1999. Wow, hoping to go and it's finally catching up. And I do think the yeah. human race yeah. is for a huge uh, thing. But yeah. so anyway, watching this movie, watching the humans getting wiped out, I'm totally yeah. thrilled to death. And I'm on yeah. and I'm just like, and it's uh, Asia Argento, Dara Argento's daughter is a scientist and she's investigating all this weird occult shit and the end of the world shit's going on. Uh -huh. And she literally phones her husband. She works at a museum and she phones her husband and she says to her husband, I think uh, I need to go to Monteleone to find the source of what's happening. Oh my and I'm just God. Like, I'm on drugs going, no way. And I'm like looking at the people around me going, did she just say Monteleone? She's going to Monteleone, my town where my parents are from? So is oh it a really God. small town, James? It's pretty yeah, like you hadn't heard really of it. You couldn't even find town. it on a map. Yeah, wicked. You can't find a map. So That's so charming.
She took a train. Listen to this. It gets better. She yeah. took the train. It was. She said it was. It took me an hour to get up to Monteleone. So right away I knew on a train it takes an hour to get to the small town near Rome. Yeah. So not yeah. far from Rome. Holy anyway, shit, dude! She gets on the train and guess what? Fucking Monteleone is in the movie. What? Fane Asylum run by Udo Cure. <laughs> that that tracks too, doesn't it? Yes. Hey. So good. <laughs> so good. It explained my whole life. I mean, and is it your? Is that your birth year? Is that your birth year horror or Suspiria is? Suspiria. No, 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 my birth year horror movies would be uh, Night of the Living Dead, Rosemary. Oh, sorry. Two thousand and one. Yeah. You said uh, that. You said that. Yeah. Uh, That's so amazing. Other- and so you're 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 near Rome. I think my folks yeah. are near Rome too. We're, just, yeah, we're just south, south of Rome. Rome. And dude, yeah. we're, we're my well, parents. Yeah. My parents are from uh, Frosinone, which is an hour south of Rome. So you I'm going to look up so the minute we're done this. For? Sorry? My, my town, Monteleone, in the horror movie, it's a sane asylum, but in real yeah. life, I heard it's, yeah. it's goat farmers or sheep Yeah, farmers. mine are known for, um, it's called La Chaucheria. It's like shoes. Um, shoes, okay. Yeah. But you, wow. you're Cavalusa. Okay, I'm going to look it up because I thought, I th- I, for some reason, I thought he's got to have, like, if we traced your, um, your, your family tree, DNA. your heritage, it would be like, Luigi Russolo's great great grandson is James Cavaluzzo. You know, I, I just I feel it. <laughs> That's awesome. I got so many more stories about the family here. I thought I wow. heard fucking, I thought Cavaluzzo is like a weird Spanish Latin um, spelling of little horse. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was like headless horseman. Yeah. yeah, and I think I might have been high. I used to watch do a lot of acid. <laughs> yeah. And, um, there's a film, Santa Sangre, one of my favorite films of all time by Jodorowsky. And there's oh, yeah. a, I'm yeah. sure on one of the commentaries or one of the interviews he did about the movie, yeah. he talks about the little Mexican, because um, he shot it in Mexico, he talks about the little Mexican cowboys. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I was high or what, yeah. but I think in one of the commentaries, he says that they call them the cavaluzos, as oh. in, they referred the Mexicans or Spanish cowboys as. And I'm like, holy cool. fuck. Cool. It's weird. Yeah. These weird like connections, you know what I yeah, mean? Serendipity yeah. or whatever. But yeah, and well, also, uh, yeah, the uh, 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 the Cavaluso. Uh, what was I going to say? My family has a weird history of dementia and Alzheimer's and shit oh, like that too. Okay. So it's kind of okay. weird that in a horror movie it was an insane. It's an insane. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's thank you, man. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, what a what, and I just want to end with kind of where you're at right now the way you the way we started this interview you were kind of saying uh the last six seven months have been revelatory for you can you expand on that a little bit yes um like i said i've been tried um i've been in the court system Uh, i see uh, about a year ago i got run over by a second time hopefully i'm not allowed to show the video footage okay let me tell you people anything you do on the streets of a city like toronto is being recorded i had these two instances and uh, I was charged with uh, assault for basically, they said, attacking somebody. But the truth is, when the video cleared my name and I got uh, the charges oh. dropped because all oh. the video that they uncovered from the streets showed that I did not attack the guy until he ran me over with his car. <laughs> and I think you're, allowed to, you're allowed to try to punch somebody when they hit <laughs> you with your car, right? <laughs> Those, so are the clear. Those are the rules. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, the judge did not let me go. They made me do Oh, good. So, do a plea bargain on both of them the first one they made me go to road rage course or sorry the first one was anger management the second so i have these certificates i want to hang in my studio that are like yes graduated anger management and i graduated road rage yeah yeah yeah. 
episode where I stood up for people and yeah. these, these, these idiots tried to run me down because I, I see. I, okay. I told them I didn't like anyway. So in the last uh, uh, six months being alone and then having uh, uh, three of my close friends pass away, yeah, it's yeah. really made me realize that, you know what? I've been uh, neglecting my soul in the sense mm. I've been mm. very happy I mean, mm. it's nothing like self-medicating to yep. make you happy, but mm. there's still something missing in your soul. You know what I mean? And it makes mm. me want to sit down and do music again. Oh. It made me want to get back into, how do you say, fulfilling uh, something that I never fulfilled, you know? Wow, wow. Well, thanks, man. I, I Really, I feel like you're in a great place, and um, I really appreciate you sharing. And these awesome stories from... Motley Crue to, uh, you know, throwing turds. I'm just going to add that in Gary there. Gary Argento but, thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> to, yeah, to Monteleone. I'm going to look that up right, right okay, now. What is man. the name of your, your parents' the name town? name of my, my parents' town. My dad's from Pico, P-I-C-O. Yeah, and I've heard of my Pico. mom's from a place called Ponte Corvo, which is Ponte means Corvo. Like, okay, like I'm gonna have to look it up. Bridge, yeah, man, I'll look that up as well. We could be long lost cousins. Why. I never ever thought you were Italian. Why yeah, did I not no. know you were Italian? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I appreciate your time and your stories and uh, and your insight and your support. I, it's just awesome to see you and spend some time with you. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, it's funny uh, being uh, during the quarantine. It's great to see your old friends. It's also really weird because so many of my old friends, like I said, the old, old yeah. members of my band are connecting. It's yeah. weird. That maybe yeah. there's something good going to come out of this thing. Yeah, man. I don't know the last time I saw you, but I got to say it, it really puts a smile on my face to see you again. And um, I wish it's you all the best. I, it sounds like awesome things are on the horizon. So stay Hopefully well. I'll see you. Yes, we'll probably be playing live. If they ever let us play live again, come out to a show. You're welcome anytime. I would love that. And uh, Lazarus, let's end on uh, the note of Lazarus. What's with Lazarus? Lazarus was funny because Ogilvy, is a, uh, he produced and mixed it, but I ended up uh, having to finish uh, like three or four songs in my studio, and I'm a perfectionist. Like, it's fucking great, but it, it, like your, your whole thing with Lazarus, your DJ Lazarus, like what's with La the story of Lazarus and you? Like, I have all it? these concepts for like horror movies, and, and okay. that, was for my, that was my input into George Romero. That whole cool. album was a concept record about cool. a tale of two zombies. Lazarus Complex was just a term I used for like, yeah, uh, uh, George Romero title to the film. Or got it. It's to me the album is a film, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And these two different characters that went around, went about. It's like it's so funny because all my stories are basically about duality. And yeah. that one, one zombie wants to fix the world, mm -hmm. and the other zombie just wants to disappear and self medicate. Funny enough. Interesting. So, I see. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, so I basically, uh, that record was when the record companies went under and yep. I basically finished that and put it out myself with a SoCan grant. And uh, it got me kicked off SoCan for life too because they thought that I just took the money and run. They didn't realize that I actually did manufacture CDs and everything. Whoa. But yeah, I think to play a song off that, Eat, yeah. Me, yeah. Eat Me is one of my favorite songs I've ever let's, done. Like, let's do it. It's so far out and it sounds like it was made. When was that made? It sounds like it was made yesterday. Like it's, it's just... It's, it's your music is aging well is all i'm gonna say well thank you yeah, yeah I mean, man that's been around nine yeah here it comes I'm now six. eat me yeah, yeah. a great a great a great a great line to end our interview on too eh? eat me um and i might oh, also play a little bit of dead if you're cool with that when we talk oh, yeah. about it play okay? the uh illegal version that rolling stones don't want the kids to hear <laughs> <laughs>
If I could somehow get that, I will. I will send you a coffee, dude. <laughs> okay, I'm, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Be well. All the best. Yes, you too, Rich. Ciao, James. Ciao.
Wasn't that special? Thank you, James, for sharing uh, your stories and and uh, friendship. And uh, really appreciate you making time for the podcast. Join us again if you want to learn more about uh, uh, our podcast here, Industry Tactics. Please go to FriendlyRich.com. And in the top right corner, you'll see all kinds of back episodes, 93 more where these came from. So get into it, and uh, we will see you again very soon on Industry Tactics. Take care of yourselves.